P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So Kyle, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Feel free to answer. No, I'm just joking. So today we have the master. <laughs> Am I going to get process? Yeah, it was going to do a little bit of a process for. What do they call this thinly veiled Scientology thing in this? This is the cause. Just the cause, yeah. The cause, yes. Yeah. And so, instead of auditing, it's processing. Processing, yes. We should have had a uh, an accountant on for this. Yes, an auditor yeah. <laughs> or a Scientologist. That would have been fun. Yeah, we tried to get Tommy Cruise. Tommy Cruise. Yeah. Speaking of Tom Cruise. Phil Seymour Hoffman has collaborated with him in a P.T. Anderson film, Magnolia. And this is the last... And Mission Impossible 3. Yes, yes, but in, for P.T. Anderson. Yeah. This is the last P.T. Anderson... Uh, P.S.H. Phil Seymour Hoffman film, sadly, unfortunately. Yeah. He's we'll done, definitely get into that today. He's but. done two since, but post... We always say, like, he would be... I, we could see him in the world that there would be blood. Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, we actually... I don't. I, I don't know if I ever looked it up specifically i know we d- we did talk about it that year but let me see yeah so there will be blood was 2007 that was a big year if, if you remember that year was the savages before the devil knows you're dead and charlie wilson so he's probably too busy maybe to do yeah and i mean i'm not like i don't think necessarily pta was just like oh let me see if I can get Phillips and Hoffman instead of Daniel Day-Lewis. No, no, no. But I'm sure he could have played another character in that. Yeah. Film. Our our guy is clearly not, you know, against uh, playing a small role in a movie. So, I th- so point being, he could have been in a small role in There Will Be Blood if he had the time. So I think it came down to he probably wasn't in that one. So tell me about your childhood. It was a nice one, like family-wise, but friends, I had very little... How did that make you feel? Uh, I mean, it made me feel happier when I got to high school and I became friends with you. How does it really make you feel? It makes me feel good. How does it really make you feel, though? <laughs> good. Laughing's good. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Bowie. It's fun to have some fun. Fun, fun. Tommy, that's uh, okay, Peg. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, we're always ready to talk great movies. Kyle, we have one of your favorite, if not your favorite, at least Philip Seymour Hoffman film. This is always, this but, is like in my top five favorite films. But it also, like, Boogie Nights is in my top five favorites, so it's uh, tough. Well you, well, you are a P.T. Anderson guy. I, yeah, uh, P.T. Anderson is, Obviously. My, is my mantra. Obviously, you're a Philip Seymour Hoffman guy, or at least I hope. Yes. At this point, I think so. I think this podcast <laughs> made me a Philip Seymour Hoffman. Come on. You didn't you, before that. Yeah, you before like, you, yeah. yeah, it was between him and I don't know Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, and the uh, poor man's Hoffman. Mm-hmm. No, but and Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course today we're talking about the Master, yes. a polarizing film, a controversial film. In in yeah, in the sense that like. Cr- 
critics and critics and more fans, I yeah. would say. But but uh, and we have a guest today. We do. He's one of our oldest friends, actually. It's Dan Kim. Hi. Hey, Dan. Hi. What's going on? Not much. I'm just pretty tired from work right now, but I'm about to. Uh, I'm gonna muscle through this podcast. Thank this you. This is my first podcast, actually. Your first time ever being on a podcast. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's exciting. Well, we're 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 excited to to have you on and and have you pop your podcast cherry with <laughs> us, if you will. Oh, oh, this disgusting. is a sexual <laughs> movie, so that's 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 appropriate. It's very homoerotic. Yes, it I mean, is. That's yeah. one of the, and we'll get into that. That's one of the uh, the theories behind the film. There's a lot of like interpretations of the film. Yeah. And that's certainly one of them. Yeah. So, uh, the master. I mean, you want right off the bat tell people what it's about. Oh, okay. I'm gonna we're gonna jump into this, or are we gonna ask Dan? Uh, well, 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 we'll tell do. me what it's about, and then we'll okay. ask Dan because because. I need a refresher too. Well, yeah. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna, everything's gonna come rushing back with one of my amazing uh, summaries. World War II veteran Freddie Quell is a drifter. In his wayward travels, he crosses paths with a movement called the Cause, led by Lancaster Dodd, aka Master, and his wife Peggy. Lancaster sees Freddie as a potential protege and guinea pig to help expand their beliefs and organization but at any moment freddie can and will erupt <laughs> i'd like just erupt. didn't like i tried to get a little sexual at the end maybe a little bit oh uh, okay i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no this this movie i think we said it at one point it's like we use this phrase at least at one point in our life the, the perv switch yeah right this is like the personification okay sometimes so so, so then i'll ask for those of us who don't know what the Perv switch is our, our uh, audience members, including perhaps your mother. Yeah, Mary Fran, thank she you always for listening. Wait, this movie's a perv switch. Yeah, this oh. movie. We always said like this, like the master is like the hum, like the movie version of like it's all about the perv switch. So, oh, yeah, what yeah. is the perv switch for yeah. those of us who don't know? Do you want to take this or you? <laughs> no, you can take it. Okay. Uh, the perv switch is just like to the point of like I'm trying to put this easily, uh, sexual frustration sure. until. You just like release, and so that's what this mo- this movie has. The character Joaquin Phoenix's character finger banging a sa- like a sand a woman in the sand. We've got our main man PSH getting a handy from his wife, saying like you can do whatever you want, just don't let anyone catch you. Do you have experience with this? No, I don't. Moving switch. on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I always thought perv switch was for me it was like you just have to come. And to get to coming, oh, you geez. just don't make any logical decisions to get there. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes was, more yeah. sense because yeah. that's the perv part of it. Because that's yeah. that's Freddie Quell's existence. Yeah, basically. Absolutely. So there you go. Absolutely. The man put. That's why I asked him if you want to take it. See, but... you should be the co-host. Yeah. Of the Perv Switch podcast. <laughs> um. So, Kyle, you alluded to this though. We're on. We have you on for the master. Um. And this is your first time on. First time on. So, what was the first time you saw? Or recognize Philip Seymour Hoffman as an actor. Oh, that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was in 1996, Twister, when he played Dusty Davis. <laughs> Dusty, yeah. No, so many people have come on this yeah. podcast and recognized him yeah. as Dusty. But first. like, I saw, Did... I that, I think that was the first movie I saw him with him in it. Uh huh. And then, but the first movie I recognized him in was The Big Lebowski. Mm. Okay. Another and, one. That's and brand. then, and yeah, then the next good. one where I really appreciated Philip Seymour's like existence was the master of this movie that we talked about. Is this your favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman film? Or even uh, the role master. of his? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so it's good that you're on today yeah. with yeah. us then. Yeah. 
I remember I mean, when we were getting like started on this, and we were thinking about who who we were having, you know, going to have on. I said I want, and I asked you, but uh, and that was so that was like a year ago. <laughs> but I said like, would you want to be on the master episode? And he said, yeah, sure. So here we are, almost a year later, and I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just for the audience, your I, I think it's fair to say your artistic background is in photography. Yes, and this, it is. This is a beautifully shot film. Yeah, yes, I definitely. It is. It's not a. It's not a. Philip Seymour Hoffman scene, but I really do want to discuss that department scene. You know, like that. It's oh, you've department. got the the department store, and you've got the woman model that's walking around showing off the clothes, and he's taking the pictures. Yeah. Of like, that like to me is just such a, a beautiful scene, and I always we always joked with our other friend Wes that like when he, Joaquin and that guy are fighting and he's pulling oh, it's on you, the tie. it's you and Wes yeah. fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's you? Who's Wes? I'm the guy that is just like it's getting hot. Yeah, I figured. I the figured. the client, the photography client in, yeah. that, in, the scene, <laughs> in the portrait studio scene. As a photographer yourself, do you see yourself as Joaquin Phoenix's character? Yeah. Um. What do you mean? You mean in that scene in particular? Not just in general. Just. I, I mean, I, I mean, his <laughs> his character is not really based off of being a photographer, no. but like, <laughs> like, no. I I could definitely like, you know understand his frustration, you know, when taking a portrait of someone mm-hmm. being, being behind the camera, especially when you don't want to do it too, because it seems like that job, him working as a photographer was just something he landed on when he, you know, got yeah, out of the military. Yeah, yeah, when they're like, you can yeah. raise some chickens or right. whatever. So, so 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's a very good score from the critics. Yeah. 61 for audience. That's not surprising because it is such a... You're gonna like it or you're not gonna like it. So that's sixty-four percent. Sixty-one. Sixty-one. Audience, but eighty what? Eighty-four. Eighty-four critics. Yeah. Eighty-six. Eighty-six. I'm sorry. Yeah. So a big cast too. Awesome cast. Joaquin Phoenix, and this is amazing. Or as you uh, called me before, Leaf Phoenix. All the phoenixes have (laughs) unique names: River, Leaf, and. Yeah, but he went back to Joaquin, and I like it. He's this this was something I knew there was something like with their family, but so when he uh, his parents were in a cult, like it's like suppose I really I didn't like, but it's a famous cult called uh, Children of God, and they escaped from it like in the seventies. Wow! So wow. I just thought it was kind of really interesting weird, yeah. that like his parents were in a cult, and then this movie definitely like at first you're like oh this you know they're they're you know. They seem okay. They seem okay, but then it starts getting pretty into the cult realm. And it's, it, I mean, it's famous for being kind of Scientology, but they never say Scientology. It's pretty obvious that it's yeah with the boat and the... the between yeah. The boat, the book. Uh, you know. The auditing or whatever. Yeah, the it. processing in this yeah. movie instead of auditing. Yeah, it's too just... bad he didn't get Tom Cruise in this movie, but Tom, Tom was not happy when he saw the cut because they were friends from Magnolia. Him and P.T. Anderson. Did he actually say that? Oh, did P.T. Anderson ever make an official statement like, "Oh, this movie is based off of"? Um, no, no, no. He, it, which it's was, just, it's just which was famously like, "Come on!" Yeah, yeah. When he was promoting it, it's like, "Oh, but it could be any religion." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, like, that was the Yes, everyone knew why he was saying it. <laughs> yeah. And also, L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> fought in World War II. Like, it's all it all started around the same that same time. time period. Yeah, yeah same yeah, time it, period. No, there's so much similarities. Um, yeah. So it's just like it's very. 
it's it's for the most part Scientology. And Tom Cruise was very that he never. This is the most he ever said about it. And he's like, besides that, we're gonna keep like what we talked about between the two of us. But PTA said that he was very upset in the scene where, uh, um, who is that? That's uh, Jesse Plemons plays, you know. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son and they in the look movie, alike. Mm-hmm. and they do look, yeah, they do look alike. He looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman meets Matt Damon, mm-hmm. and he was very upset by the scene, Tom Cruise, that is, where he's just like, you know, he's just making all of this up. Like he took that as like a big, you know, punch towards, F-U, yeah, yeah. fu towards Scientology. So I assume they're not friends anymore. Uh, at least, I mean, maybe they're cordial in person, but I don't think they have the closeness of the relationship they had back towards Magnolia. But um. Yeah, I mean, this is just... I think it's just a fun... It, it's a it's a funny movie also, right? I yeah, mean, it's like, very funny. It come, like, come, like, think about, like... I mean, he started with Hard 8, but, like, Boogie Nights. Like, he really... Like, that's, like, I guess his overall funniest film. Like, a straightforward funny. Yeah. But all of his other movies... To- um, yeah, no, I would say What's It Called, the one... we I think we all actually all saw it together. It's pretty funny, too. Oh, Inherent Vice? Inherent Vice, yeah. That's more of, like... A comedy as yeah. well, but I mean, at least that—I mean, that wasn't uh, an original screen. That was the first adaptation. He ever true, did. true. Yeah. By the way, just trying to read some background. Um, the film's inspirations, according to this Wikipedia article, Scientology, of course. Um, early drafts of There Will Be Blood, apparently. <laughs> uh, drunk Navy stories from that he, uh, this guy Jason Robards. You yeah, him. Jason Robards played yeah. Tom Cruise's father in Magnolia. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he told Anderson while they were filming Magnolia. Okay. Which is interesting. And the life story of the author John Steinbeck. Interesting. And then the big thing I said is on the Blu-ray, um, have either of you guys ever seen it's John Huston's 1946 documentary, Let There Be Light? There's all those great filmmakers. I think there's a documentary on Netflix right now, like The Five the five who came back and it's all directors that enlisted mm-hmm. and used their talents to shoot documentaries during World War II and it's really Let There Be Light is on the Blu-ray for this and it's really interesting because all of that like when they come back and they're being you know like talked to by the therapist and everything like that that's like some of the lines are direct when he's just like so you had I heard you had an emotional or you know like a crying fit and he's just like, oh, you know, you spoke to your sweetheart. That's like direct from this documentary. Let there be light. Mm. That's interesting. I do love how uh, I, I want to get into the cast, but I do love how the film opens up with that navy stuff. It it does remind me. I haven't seen that documentary particularly, mm-hmm. but I've, I have watched a lot of like Pacific War documentaries, and just we see these wars as so like glorious and like these campaigns. Yeah. But it's what they did in the dead time that's so... The dead time and, like, after they were mm-hmm. still, like, in the Pacific after the war ended. And we just see these guys on, you know, tropical beaches and make wrestling one another. That's where, like, the first, I think, like, homo yeah, it, yeah. It's not, But the beginning of the war is not ended until they announce it. Oh, okay. They're just kind of stationed there, kind of waiting it out. And that's what you would do between battles, you know? Just yeah. kind of wait it out. And, and you also see that... That um, reflection of like the depiction of soldiers in general, it, it wasn't like a glorious or glamorous sort of occupation that we would see in like you know Life magazine photographs. Yeah. Like you you see the when 
when the I guess like one of the officers were telling them, oh, like you can open up a, a shop or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know if, what you can do after post-war. You know, do you remember those shots when they were like close up of these like these odd kind of looking like people, odd looking faces? Oh, he yeah. always with, gets the most interesting. That are just people. like mentally broken. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's uh it's definitely not your usual depiction of you know American soldiers, especially or... that war in that time. That's supposed to be like the greatest mm-hmm. generation, and like like they went. They yeah, fought. but a lot of damaged people, people, a lot of people were damaged that came out of that generation. Yeah, PTSD. Yeah. D wasn't like a thing yet. That wasn't until yeah, like shell shocked. Yeah, so it's always yeah. the same thing. They just named it differently yeah. every every yeah. generation, pretty much. So a, a quick note on Hoffman in this, um, and just the background, that Anderson really originally had focused it more on Lancaster than on on uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Freddy. Mm-hmm. And it, and he asked for Hoffman's input, and Hoffman said, "No, Freddy's story is more interesting than okay. mine. So let's focus it there." Which, I mean, I think is probably a good choice. Another thing, too, uh, it was dropped by its distributor until he rewrote it. Oh, okay. Universal didn't want to distribute it. Yeah, well, it was eventually distributed by the uh, clean company of the Weinstein company. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, I mean, what, so let's, I mean, so that's the the fact that you bring that up, that it is, it was then made about Freddy. What do you guys think of the title, and do do you have an interpretation of who's the master, like, in the movie? I mean, yeah, I was thinking that's something like, as we go along, we could decide. I think it's obvious we're supposed to think it's uh, Lancaster. Dog. Lancaster. Yeah. But like you, I think you mentioned once that some people believe it's Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's another qualified person for that. Some, right? Well, there's some. Laura, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big Laura Dern fan, right? Don't you like you like Citizen Ruth? Yeah, I really like Citizen Ruth. That's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, so, well, that's because since he's always referred to as master in the movie, so, like some people are just like, so it's not Philip Seymour Hoffman and that Joaquin Phoenix, since he has no one controlling him, technically he is like the master because he's his own master. I don't know if, Dan, okay. do, do, Dan, do you buy into that at all? I think that's people, I think reading into it a little too much. I think it's much, open right? for interpretation. the thing about this film is that yeah some people don't enjoy it as much some people we had Wit on Wit Lambert who's a big fan of Phillips and Ralph he didn't like it but his reasoning was kind of more um, yeah like he didn't like the character or what he stood for yeah Um, a lot of people just think it's like a little bit of a pointless film it's a character study where the characters don't develop much I'm not saying I agree with that, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone anyone says it's a poorly acted film. No, this movie. I mean, if you want to go by Oscar standards, it was you, you've got your lead act. The lead actor was Freddie Quell, so Joaquin Phoenix, and he was nominated for best actor. And then this is the last time uh, our main man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, was nominated, and he was nominated for best supporting actor. He lost uh, to uh, Christoph Waltz in his role, not in Hateful Eight, but in, no, I'm sorry, not in uh, Inglorious Bastards, but the one in Hateful Eight. Mm, which you were not happy about. No, I th- was, uh, to me, that was like a boring character. He was like a nice version of Hans Landa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman did a way better job with that role than uh, Christoph Waltz in uh, 
No, again, not Hateful Eight. What was that one? In, uh, Django Unchained. Django Unchained, Sorry, yeah. his other Western. Uh, and then Amy Adams was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. But so, these, I mean, these, it's it's a great cast. And like uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Jesse Plemons, right? Yes, and Dan mentioned Laura Dern. The other uh, other other actors are uh, in the role of Elizabeth Dodd, which is uh, Lancaster's daughter. So the brother of Val is uh, Amber Childs, and then Clark is played by the future. Isn't it Chil- Childers? Oh, Childers. Sorry. Childers. Yeah. And then Clark is played by the future Freddie Mercury, Rami Malek. Malek, Malek. Malek. Mr. Robot. Yeah. That's how I know him. And then uh, John Moore is played by Christopher. We've talked about him before on the uh, on Wits episode of uh, Synecdoche, New York, and it's Christopher Evan Welch, the, yes. late, the late actor. And then the other, only other actor I wrote down was... Uh, Jillian Bell, I didn't even write down. I mean, they never say her character's name, but Jillian so Bell is funny. from Workaholics, yeah. which and uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> her name, according to Wikipedia, is Susan Gregory. Okay. She's married to Wayne Gregory. Let's. I mean, we'll definitely. We're gonna talk some scenes, but Dan, do you have like? There's so many great scenes. I think you agree. Yeah, it's so hard to choose from. <laughs> do, but do you, um, like which ones? really featuring you know Philip Seymour Hoffman like what I I actually really like the scene when Philip Seymour Hoffman he does his wedding speech Mm -hmm. when his Mm -hmm. daughter and and his uh, and Freddie Mercury and Freddie Freddie Mercury Mercury get married (laughs) because he starts with like he what does it start off with the speech he's like oh here it comes yeah the dragon yeah like that was that that was that was the first time you kind of see him at work as Lancaster Dodd Mm mm-hmm and yeah, he feels like a, like a pastor there almost. It feels like a religion almost. But but I also, I also want to go back to the idea of like his son in the movie saying like, oh, you know how he's like making this all up, right? Yeah. It's basically like what he's doing at the moment. He's like, oh, here's he has this like impulsive thought like saying, oh, here it comes, like this dragon. Yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> he's literally speaking of like a dragon that he's just making up. And and what, what does he say? Like, oh, I just like whip him up and now it's on a leash. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, he really didn't say anything in, in that speech. Actually. Is is he the ultimate bullshit artist? Um, yeah, well, he is because I th- I think so. Um, you can say that his pretty much his belief system has no basis. Like he makes it up. He makes it out of nothing. I um, I, I agree, but I also disagree. I think where he's not the ultimate bullshit artist is that he has this temper that I think of a lot of people who are these, like, cult leaders, mm-hmm. definitely have, but that's always when they get, like, caught. Like, he occasionally will say, like, fuck, or something like that. He has those two moments. He has the moment pig that fuck. He, yeah, yeah, pig, pig fuck. fuck, that's what he says. And then he, and then he really, besides, like, we're not talking, like, him stuff with, like, Freddie, like, Joaquin Phoenix, but, like, his, like, no, like in his congregants. Like, yeah. But then Laura Dern, towards the end, questions when the book comes out, mm-hmm. and she says, oh, first you said, can you see... But then in the second book, it's like, can you imagine? So yeah. aren't you like trying to? And he's like, ah, you know. But like to imagine is yeah, that's to, the bullshit artist yeah. working. And then he and then she, she tries to dig a little bit more because we start to see people questioning him, to, you know, towards the mm-hmm. end. Right. I mean, I think he ha- he definitely had true intentions to help the people around him. Yeah. But um, like going back to what he basically his belief system coming at nothing is. It's, this is not my interpretation. I read this somewhere online, which is really interesting. But 
Um, someone wrote that Freddie Quell and Lancaster Dodd, they're both considered alchemists in a way that, you know, how al- alchemists, they try to extract, like, gold out of nothing. Uh-huh. The same way how um, Freddie Quell, he makes his alcohol out of, like, basically anything he finds yeah. Yeah. out of nothing. A and torpedo, sa- like... Yeah, yeah and, same with, and same with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's, his belief system is based off of his, you know, his... Experience, personal experience and his intellect and his research but it's it's all based off of faith you know like yeah I love their relationships because the whole film it did you, you you've seen that there's that 20 minutes worth of stuff that's called or they edited together um, it's called like back beyond you know like that you know what I'm talking about it's like the outtakes I feel like we watched it together when oh it, like, the, first the came deleted out. scenes yeah, yeah. And, and they edited the gun and everything yeah, yeah. And, like, because that starts, like, they dig up the book and Freddy opens it up. It's, like, lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, it starts getting, you know, and then, like, Freddie Mercury character is just, like, you know, like, the master, he died for, like, seven minutes on the table and then came back to life. And anyone that's read the book, they've either, like, you know, been healed or they've died. You know, like, it starts yeah. getting closer to that Scientology, as I use air quotes. Yeah. It's know, interesting because those scenes are the only scenes, really, that are kind of display some sort of like metaphysical experience where it's like kind of almost like trippy or like yeah like not real but in in the final cut of master it's it's pretty cut and dry like mm-hmm. what th- what things happen in reality there's no one like watching the master and be like could it be real yeah you know yeah like I mean, yeah. but i think with those scenes there might have been some people like well maybe this is something but maybe if he probably took him out for that reason yeah, I mean, just for, I mean, this movie is, like, I think two hours and, like, 20 minutes, 18 minutes long. So it's not one of his, it's not his No, it's movie. one of his shorter ones, actually, yeah. which but is funny. It definitely, but it does, by all means, since it's not this sprawling ensemble like his other movies, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it drags, but it does feel long at some points. Yeah, if be, I was going to give because, it, if, and I, that, if I was going to give one of their films a bad critique, and that's one of the like the negative criticisms that mm-hmm. people say, like for a movie that's not that long for his, it just stuff happens, but not a lot of progression happens. We're just like watching people. Yeah, so I think it is like you mentioned something before about like I think it is a character study, but it's not that there's character. There's not the characters don't have. Well, Freddie does have an arc. Freddie, I would yeah, say, does. Freddie has yeah. an arc, but does Lan- does Lancaster really? He doesn't. He doesn't have an arc. Like no, we're just kind of watching him. Yeah. Well, you know, what, before we move on, do you want to play that clip? Because yeah, 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 no, but I do want to play that clip. But before we get into the clip, because I do want to talk more about it, one thing uh, I keep forgetting to mention is that did you read that Jeremy Renner was originally? Freddy. Yeah, he, he was up for really? it. Really? Yeah. No, not just up for it. They started filming scenes with it. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they halted production. Oh. Which is crazy. I could not see him as, as that Joaquin Phoenix he's character. He's just too... I've, <laughs> he's too straight. Yeah, he's too... Yeah, he's, he's too, too clean cut. Yeah. He's too, like... Yeah. Not that he's, like, Mr. California, but, like, I don't know. He's just, like... He's, like... Uh, Jeremy Renner, to me, is, like, almost like a Christian Slater type. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hear like, you. How, you know what I'm I saying? I hear you. It's, like, not... Like, he's very... One dimension. I'm not trying to rip on Jerry Renner no, right no. now. But P.T. Anderson Renner. said that Joaquin Phoenix, like... When the opportunities... I know that. When it was available. Well, this is... So this is the first film that after that whole Joaquin Phoenix... Remember they made that... Him and, uh, you know, Casey Affleck, his brother-in-law, at least at the time. I don't know if he's still married to Joaquin Phoenix's sister. But they made that docu... That, or mo- 
I don't know what it was supposed to. I don't know if you it, it's a mockumentary. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I'm still. Here. I'm not there. Oh, no, I'm not there. Yeah, not there. Always we always met, do that. Yeah, it's that, and then there's the Bob Dylan one. That's like like I'm nine still, people yeah. play Bob Dylan. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 yeah, and he came, and he was like. Nobody liked Joaquin Phoenix at this point. People yeah, were really he tried annoyed. to be a ra- a rapper. He didn't. He said no to that Noah Baumbach film Greenberg that uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, ben Stiller pl- yeah, right. ended up playing. So that I think that movie. So this is this is really his comeback. This yeah. film it was not this, and then her came out. We saw her together as well. Yeah. yeah, and this is like him really proving himself in this film. And P. T. Anderson said that he he reminded him his work ethic of Daniel Day Lewis, which is like, wow, you know. Yeah, he looked like he did some. I don't know if he did, but it looked like he did some method acting. Yeah, he, he said he was in, ca- in character the entire time. Yeah. He yeah. lost to Dimitri He was walking like that. He's got like a hunch. He's got the yeah. hunch, and then no, this is the this is like how like method he gets. He went to a dentist, and they put metal plates on the right side of his mouth because you know the whole time he's kind of talking yeah. like oh, that. Oh wow! Yeah, he literally had them screw yeah. in metal plates to hold so he can fully open up, and like he said, like it was a remind, like he would forget it, but it was like. If he tried to, you know, like open up his mouth all the way, it was like chewing up on the insides of his mouth. So wow. He was that was his big. <laughs> so so you mentioned the uh, that wedding scene, which, again, like it, it, it's so awesome, and you were saying it's like bullshit. But let, let's play the clip, and then we'll go from there. Previous to the cause was awful. <laughs> It was a cycle, like life. Uh, birth, excitement, growth, decay, death. <laughs> now, now, how about this? Here it comes. A, a large dragon. My teeth. <laughs> Blood dripping, red eyes. What do I got? Alas, so. Well, I whip it up, I wrap it around its neck, and I wrestle. Wrestle. Wrestle him to the ground. I snap up, I say, sit, dragon. Dragon sits. I say, stay. Dragon stays. Now it's got a leash on. <laughs> Take it for a walk. <laughs> that's what, where we're at with it now. It stays on command. Next, we're going to teach it to roll over and play dead. <laughs> so just like you said, I mean, it's like he—it's it, a sermon that he's fucking making up off the top of his head. Yeah, he has the sermon, and then he makes this speech at like the table. You know, like he—it's a wedding. I mean, as one ham to another, I can <laughs> be, he wants the attention at the at the wedding. Yeah. He's making it, it's this, he's using it, I feel like almost like it's a tax write-off or something, because they're sailing from San Francisco, and then they're going through the canal to New York, on like this woman who later on like sues them in the movie, and that's where we get that great jail scene between him and Milwaukee. Scientology famously started on a boat like that. Yeah. And that's one of like the comparisons. Scientology started in uh, New Jersey. Oh, did it? Yeah. And that was the first display of, you know, Lancaster Dodd and his element him being the center of attention, him yeah. speaking in front of a crowd. And I think just like, you know, a lot of cult or religious or spiritual leaders you might meet, their, their first impression is like almost perfect. And yeah. everything they say is like almost undeniable. It's like they're, 
you know, the charisma really sh- shows through, and you see that in the speech he does. Well, even before the first scene we have with him, that when him and Freddie meet, he's, like, wearing those, like, bright, like, red pajamas, <laughs> and he's just like, you know, I'm a... And he's like, who are you? And he's just like, I'm the captain of this vessel, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm a nuclear physicist, I'm a doctor, but of all else, I am, you know, equivocally a man, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just, like, that confidence that he exudes. But yeah. then that's the whole... Th- I think... Whether it's an, I, I I highly doubt P.T. Anderson just because he really is I think the like most like brilliant director of like this time right now so I don't think anything is just like by coincidence I really think Freddie is supposed to be like the foil to Lancaster in the movie mm. he just introduces this like you know as Lancaster calls it these elixirs these potions yeah and, you know like that's like his role in the movie is to almost take this religious leader which I mean is so when you when you said the whole thing about there will be blood that's interesting I wonder if it comes from that because that's very you know it's about the what's the characters it's like Eli in that movie wants to start the church yeah mm-hmm. so Maybe. I think it is very he, like Freddy is there to make this guy that's starting a new religion like question he's the temptation he's he's uh He's the Satan in the desert, last temptation of Christ. Like, you know, Jesus, you know. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying what, um, Freddy Quell is like the Daniel Day is Daniel Plainview to Eli Sunday, or. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I mean, I'm just saying, I brought There Will Be Blood because, as Brian said, like that like he got some ideas from that time of making that movie as well. And that's a movie mm-hmm. that deals with the starting of a church and a religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but my biggest thing is that I'm saying that I think Freddie is just there to make Lancaster question himself and his, again, it's called the cause. Mm-hmm. So like his movement and him, you know, because again, it's not like Lancaster has an arc in this movie. Amy Adams doesn't have, yeah. or, you know, what, what do you think Lancaster Dodd what, what do you think he was after like his home in, in the whole movie he does like movie he's in London and then what happens after no what do you think he's after what, like, what's, oh, what's his, what's after? his yeah. motivation yeah <sighs> money yeah I, th- I yeah I think I think so, so they're never clear again that was also an outtake like they never he never says oh I also served in World War II but I think it's he's supposed to have um, you know, Freddie clearly I, yeah. has. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Even if he didn't serve in World War Two, I think what we see with Freddie, and I think it's probably mirrored with Lancaster, is people trying to find their role in society after the war. Mm. And I think he he likes his role as a leader. Yeah, it, you're kind of reminded about it when he's like singing and he's dancing. Like he's, he's, trying, said, he's like, yeah, like, like he's he likes to, to find be the center. purpose. He likes he's to be the center trying of to find just like enjoying life. And then, I mean, he is like, you know, like a ham. And then on top of that, I think he's just like, he wants to like leave, he wants to feel like he left like a stamp like on the world. Like he's just not, he's not insignificant. Hmm. So, and he is obviously a charismatic person because, I mean, it's not like we see the beginning of this movement. We don't see day one. No, and that's where, and that's where like P.T. Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman's argument is fair when they're like, this is not a movie about Scientology because it's not like, the history or even like about the founding of the church it's just this guy who kind of like literally stumbles into it yeah yeah and that's the whole like he he he's uh, we meet freddie at the end of world war Two, and then we have we see his, at least we assume his first job is this photography job that 
you know, sure is mundane and it's in these department stores, but we see it's just, he gets, I think he gets bored with it. He's a very self-sabotaging kind of guy. And then he goes on and then one of my favorite just shot, like this movie, the cinematography in this movie is amazing. It's one of the most beautifully shot films, I think. Do you know the cinematographer? His name? Um, Mihai Malamere, Malamere Jr.? What a, do, do you? That's his name. Roma- right? It's he's a Romanian cinematographer. What does it say? What else he's worked on? Um, I looked because I know this is the first much. time. If this isn't his usual director of photography, because he was actually filming one of the Bourne movies. So. Oh really? He did Lotus, Youth Without Youth, Tetro, Twixt. Oh, those are two. <laughs> no, those are two little, uh, Coppola modern Coppola movies. Little Red oh. Wagon. And after the master, he did plus one, a walk among the tombstones, Nina, and the hate you give. Oh, okay, so not, I mean, not really movies that I'm too not familiar with, but I mean, I love, so after that, uh, after the department store, he's working on, what is that, like a cabbage farm, right? Somewhere in California? Yeah, yeah like lettuce or cabbage or something. Yeah. And Sal- I, Salinas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one of the workers there, like an older guy. I guess that's the part, like, that's from John Steinbeck, because John Steinbeck oh, yeah. about those workers and Salinas. That's during, like, the, like, that's like <clears throat> Dust Bowl, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, so not like that mind. era, yeah. but... But I love the shot. Him running, and it's in the trailer. By the way, when we talked about this with Moneyball, like, that was a great trailer. This is one of this, and I think uh, the social network are, like, my two favorite trailers. I love just the music that P.T. Anderson always uses in his mm-hmm. movies and but like just and this was something he he was he made the trailer himself like he edited it together wow. but they used that a big thing he used a lot of footage that wasn't in the movie and the, was in that back beyond 20 minute condensed thing that was on the Blu-ray but I love that w- one of the bigger shots that, that was also in the movie that I loved I love him running through that field oh yeah you always guys. talking about that just like yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's just like there's just so. I mean, talk over the shots of hit, of Freddie on the boat. I love. It's almost like each act mm-hmm. starts with like the cleansing of like the water that shot like overhead of like yeah. the back of the boat. And it's also shot on uh, what format was it shot on? Sixty-five millimeter. Sixty-five bl- millimeter. Blown up to seventy for theaters. It's a sixty-five millimeter film, and I mean that's. I forget, a lot of the shots, I forget, they were I forget like, what aspect ratio. They were like those shots were like very mobile for a very large, large format camera too. So you know, I think that's take that takes that to another level. I don't know if it's been surpassed. It's not like it was like it's like a contest, like a Guinness World Record kind of thing. But the shot of Freddie when he's drunk and passing the dock when he's about to when he gets on the boat mm-hmm. and it like follows him that whole time that was for and like there's another little it's not a making of it unfortunately there's not a commentary on it but there's a little like eight minute behind the scenes kind of thing mm-hmm. and they're talking with like, probably like one of the grips or something like that mm-hmm. there's 496 feet of dolly track that they use wow. and they're like and the guy goes oh you don't want to get the 500 he's like we ran out wow. <laughs> he's like you don't want to make an even 500 that's intense. like yeah. that's 496 feet of just like awesome because it's great because that's the, it, it, 
like P.T. Anderson has always been like a, you know a camera on the move kind of guy yeah. but I love that even camera like a dolly move that he has it's following Freddy then it goes ahead and you see the party on the boat and so it's like not only is the dolly moving but then you've got like the camera panning and going you see the party and then Freddy passing the camera again and it's just everything is just always I think as a director he's also very like hands on obviously with the c- cinematography clearly yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up too about Hoffman, something that struck me, like I hadn't seen this movie in a while. Mm-hmm. I know you. I'd probably seen it, it like at least, at least a year and a half ago was the last time. I hadn't seen it in like years. This is also a movie that like brings me to tears sometimes. Wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I I forgot that the dynamic between Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix is less like pupil mentor, and more like peer friend to friend almost. Yeah. Which is, I don't know why, it's something I forget about it, because again, it's called The Master. Yeah. But again, like, he's his foil, but also at the same time, he's almost like his id, you know, Freddy to, like, Lancaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's never, because Amy Adams is always quite, it's almost, again, like, and you have that, like, moment that Amy Adams is giving, or I should say Peggy, is giving Lancaster, like, the, the hand job and being like, you can do whatever you want. It's almost, like, again, she's talking, like, it's, I'm not trying to say that, like, she doesn't recognize. She clearly recognizes Freddy's character, so it's not like he's imaginary. This isn't a fight, <laughs> fight club scenario. Yeah. But she, it like she never really sees much potential in she. She's fine with it when you know, like the first time we meet her, she's like, "Oh, he's been writing all night. You inspire something in him." Right. And so I, th- yeah, again, it's just like uh, you know that form of like I think his deepest darkest. Yeah, like, he's like his like booze pusher. Yeah. At the beginning, and it just, I like I like their relationship. As weird as that sounds, I love after the jail scene, then the, like them wrestling on the yard. That was totally improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Again, also very homoerotic. Yeah, I mean, what do you? I mean, that is something that critics bring. What do you guys think about that? Like, what do you do? You get uh, homoerotic dynamic, yeah, just homoeroticism in the film. Um, in general, like, did I enjoy it? No, like, do you think that that's, I think like... some of the dialogue, like, you know, you, you refer to him as, like, Naughty Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's a scene where, um, at the end, when Philip Seymour Hoffman sings, what was it? Uh, Slow Boat to China. <laughs> Slow Boat to China. <laughs> which I told you. That was you, such a which bizarre I, scene. Which yeah. I, yeah, which yeah. I, which I told you, if I die first, I want someone to sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? I'm trying to think. No, I It mean, is definitely, like, you, Naughty Boy. Yeah. Very, you know, because he's very. I don't know what, what what kind of word best describes the way he like talks in the film. It's very almost. Th- it is like a thespian level. Again, he's acting. It's an actor's voice. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's he's, he's Frasier. <laughs> Speaking of That's what fair. we were watching before we started recording. No, a hundred percent. He's there like no- a, he's a failed actor. He's like, okay, I'm gonna make a religion. Like, <laughs> Was there another scene of his that you wanted to discuss? I mean, look, he's he's all over this film. There's that scene that he fights. Um, he has an argument that we just brought up. I guess, should we play the pig fuck scene? Yeah, I mean... Oh, uh, yeah, I was actually watching that scene on the way here in the yeah. car. That's yeah. like, to me, that's his like, most intense performance in the film. Yeah, and again, what's, it's, uh, I feel so bad, but he's the, he was the actor on the first season of Silicon Valley, and he was in Synecdoche, New York, and we played a scene of his, yeah. even though Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't. So you know what? This is He didn't talk in that scene that we played from uh, Synecdoche so the fact that they have an exchange in this movie let's play the scene with uh, the actor is the uh, l- late actor Christopher Evan Welch and he plays John yep. Moore Christopher Evan Welch we, we 
We got your back. Yeah. In heaven. In heaven. Excuse me. Is if you bring someone mm -hmm. out of a traumatic event back to the present time, no matter how carefully you do that. Excuse me. If you have not gone over the Excuse memory. Me. Excuse me. Some of this sounds quite like hypnosis. Is it not? This is a process of dehypnotization, if you will. Man is asleep. This process wakes him from his slumber. I still find it difficult to see the proof with regards to past lives that your movement claims. Would you care to submit yourself to processing? Look through the telescope, as my friend said. Well, perhaps another time. You've also said that these methods, cause methods, can cure leukemia, according to your book. And Some you forms said. of leukemia. In being able to access past lives, we are able to treat illnesses that may have started back thousands, even trillions of years. Trillions? With a T, sir. <laughs> the Earth is not understood to be more than a few billion years old. Well, even the smartest of our current scientists can be fooled. Yes? You can understand skepticism. Yes, oh, yes, yes. For without it, we'd be positives and no negatives. Therefore, zero charge. We must have it. Good science, by definition, allows for more than one opinion. Which is it? why our gathering of data is so far-reaching. Otherwise, you merely have the will of one man, which is the basis of cult. Is it not? Tis, tis. And thankfully, we are, all of us, working at breakneck speeds and in unison towards capturing the mind's fatal flaws and correcting it back to its inherent state of perfect. Whilst writing civilization and eliminating war and poverty and therefore the atomic threat. Well, <laughs> I find it quite difficult to comprehend, or more to the point, believe that you believe, sir, that time travel hypnosis therapy can bring world peace and cure cancer. I have never been to the pyramids, have you? No. And yet we know that they are there. Because learned men have told us so. May I ask, what is your name? John Moore. Mr. Moore, if I may. Is there something frightening to you about the causes travels into the past? Frightening? Yes. No. no. What, what's, what, what scares you so much about traveling into the past, sir? I'm not Are you afraid that we might discover that our past has been reshapen? Perverted? And perhaps what we think we know of this world is false information. Time travel does not frighten me, sir, because it's not possible. What does frighten me is the possibility of some poor soul with leukemia oh, there are dangers coming to in you. traveling in and out of time, as we understand it. But it's not unlike traveling down a river, you see. You travel down the river, round the bend, look back, and you cannot see around the bend, can you? But that does not mean it is not there, does it? But certain clubs would like us to think that a truth, I say truth, uncovered should stay hidden. I belong to no club, and... If you're unwilling to allow any discussion... No, this isn't a discussion, it's a grilling. There's nothing I can do for you, if your mind has been made up. You seem to know the answers to your questions, why do you ask? I'm sorry you're unwilling to defend your beliefs in any kind of rational way. Oh, if, if, you, if, you, if, if you already know the answers to your questions, then why ask pig fuck? Perfect, again, I mean, just, that is a perfect scene to me. I love the slow... It starts off with you know, Lancaster explaining to the woman that he just did, like, the hypnosis and process, mm -hmm. and then we'd say, excuse me, 
excuse me, just in the yeah. background. Yeah. And it's just like, so, uh... Really uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah. Freddy's yeah. just... That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uncomfortable. And Freddy, I love Freddy in the movie, like, Joaquin Phoenix, he might now, he's might be my favorite, like, living actor. Uh, and I love just moments, obviously, where he's crazy and he's doing his thing in this movie, but I love when he's just like sul- not sulking but just like kind of lurking in the background whether he's sitting or he's standing and he's not doing much this whole time and at the end he just throws the food <laughs> at him he's like don't be an animal yeah. <laughs> um, one of the lines in this scene is a scene we use in our intro song I mean it's a line we use in our intro song um, it's a process of de-hypnotization yeah de-hypnotization yeah <laughs> Which is, again, that's a very, the whole hypnotization yeah. thing is very Scientology. I mean, he, Christopher Evan Welch's character, he came out basically challenging Lancaster Dodd's belief. He's like, oh, this is, you know, you have all these people following you with just your 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 single belief, and it's like the basis of a cult. He's basically challenged in front of his audience for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, he actually did have a point. Like it's like you, your your beliefs has no like scientific basis. But, yeah, he's saying he but can it's, cure it's, cancer. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, you could you're you can cure leukemia. Yeah, forms you know? of le- he's like some forms. <laughs> yeah. like, a a yeah. war a trillion years in the making. But but the <laughs> beauty of that scene is is like like um, Christopher Evan Welch's point is is come across so insecurely. Yeah, like with lacking so much confidence that. You know, when you're watching, it's like, oh, like, who, who gives a shit? Like, Lancaster Dodd kind of, like, comes back at him so strong. Like, yeah. He's winning, but then yeah. he kind of, he loses that f- scene by uh, having that, like, because everyone's face after that is just like, When he uh, says pig fuck. Yeah. But, I mean, he loses his temper, and I don't think he lost the argument with, with him, but no? I think he lost the connection with this. With, with his, that, uh, yeah. With yeah, his, because uh, he doesn't followers. see, you know, that's what I'm saying. He's not, like, the perfect bullshit artist. Yeah. Because he's... He doesn't seem holier than thou, and I mean that in a positive way. When you say pig fuck, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's hard like to respect somebody who's just gonna just say in that kind of way, right? You know, because yeah. he presents himself as like an enlightened person, mm-hmm. someone who knows the answers, right? And then he's prodded by this guy and yeah, just says just, pig fuck, you know, like yeah. just crumbled in front fuck. of everybody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like any one of us might, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's supposed to, he's supposed to be better than that. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, if you're trying to start a religion or or, <laughs> or a cause, it's whatever you want. Whatever this is, science, science. Uh, yeah, you can't do that. And that's, so that's then after that, Amy Ad- or Peggy is saying like we have to go on the attack, which is also something that L. Ron Hubbard was always very like adamant about when it came to Scientology. Like we always have to be on the attack, and that's when. Uh, Freddie takes Freddie Mercury with him, and they go, uh, <laughs> and they, we don't see the John Moore thing, and that, yeah, that's the next scene. The next scene is when we get like, "What did you do, naughty boy?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> so again, that's almost like he knows he can't do that, and Lancaster's already slightly ashamed by like having that release of saying "pick fuck." Uh-huh. But after, like again, that's almost like his like id. Like he's like, I you know like, I I wish I would have went out there, and you know physically like hurt but this guy that embarrassed me at this party yeah later on it's the woman that's at that party that sues him for like eleven thousand dollars when he's in philadelphia at laura dern's house and we didn't see dr alan grant at laura no we didn't see dr or dr ian malcolm (laughs) (laughs) sam samuel would have been good in this movie yeah yeah Uh, jeff goldman too much no too much 
side note, and I think you mentioned the other day that you were very disappointed. Did you say you were disappointed or not? On the record, Jurassic Park 3, when you find out that Alan Grant did not marry Ellie Sadler. Disappointed. Disappointed. So yeah. you wanted them to happily, happily ever after. Story. Well, that's always, I always have those moments. We were talking recently, like Creed, I was upset to find out that pa- Apollo was unfaithful. <laughs> and like uh, Adonis is, you know, a, a bastard. Oh, because we were talking about the Super Bowl ad for... Um, the fake one for Crocodile Dundee. For the Crocodile Dundee. And you were upset that it possibly implied Fly that Crocodile that, Dundee yeah. had an affair yeah. and <laughs> a child had a wedlock. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, but there's certain characters that I no, think are, no, I, no, I hold to a higher not. standard. Yeah, you do. Like like yeah. Lancaster Dodd. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee is your Lancaster Dodd. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, <laughs> that's a fair. fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the ideals in your life are inspired by Crocodile Dundee. I was him for Halloween in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So one scene I wanted to, um, I guess, ask for interpretations or whatever, or what you guys thought of it, was that weird naked scene where all the women are naked, but the men... Yeah, famous. It's a famous. Uh, they're called Merkins. The 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 vagina the fake the fake bushes. Yeah, yeah. I think and that's Freddie Quell's. Uh, his point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like, we, like his, do we see, we finally see what he's switch. almost seeing all the time? Or is it, do you think that's like how he views stuff all the time and we're seeing, because he's very, at that moment he looks like almost very drunk and he's just very like, so is it like, is it just a perv switch moment for him or do we, th- do you think that's the first time we're seeing like it through the glasses, you know, of Freddie, what he sees all the time? I would say that's how he sees the world all the time because you see from the first scene is he's like fingering a, a, a sand lady yeah jerking no, yeah, really and, hunched and, and jerking the next into thing, the ocean he's um, when he was on the boat and the uh, other people were studying with the headsets he was like oh like let's fuck yeah he writes that note yeah. to her yeah. yeah yeah so a lot of his I mean a lot of his like activities and his existence like outside of drinking is going after girls and trying to have sex with them yeah, I mean the movie ends with him picking. He goes to he goes to London. Yeah, yeah. And he, this he, weird shriveled up body. Yeah, like with that lady on top of him. Yeah, and then the last line of the movie is just him saying, "It fell out. Stick it back in." <laughs> it's like what a what a last line. And, that's yeah. just, and this is the master. <laughs> like what? Are, like what? Are we, I just why and that's like why like fuck you at the and end. That's, did you see? I know Brian hasn't. Have you seen Phantom Thread? No, I haven't. It's not to this level, but Daniel Day Lewis is also like he's very he moves from one woman to the next, uh-huh. and then like I'm not gonna like spoil anything, but then he like the woman like the main woman that's in it like it ends up being a kind of very like sexual like relationship to next to the next like she sticks it out and like makes it to like another finds like a like a better word fetish of his in a way, mm-hmm. and so it's just very interesting to me like these movies that P.T. Anderson like makes of these. At first, he was making movies that are about like broken families, and then he just kind of goes to these like broken. It's always like these broken males. Like in the beginning, it was, you know, your family thing with, even in Hard Eight, but then bigger in Boogie Nights and yeah. Magnolia. I think, I think all of his movies are like like desperate male figures, like, mm-hmm. but who are after something, and what they're after is pretty clear clear cut in all the movies, except in. The master, I think. I mean, um, it's, it's not like there will be blood. Daniel Plainview is after money and oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, Eli Sunday, he's after followers and money. 
um, Lancaster Dodd is, you know, it's it's not it's not as in your face. Maybe Freddie Qual you can kind of see, like he's after alcohol and sex. But I think it's <laughs> he's, lot, well, his, he's, yeah, his yeah. existence is a lot more deeper than that. I think it's like a very primal movie in that, and they, they, I think they allude to that by him constantly saying we are not animals. Like yeah. Lancaster's always trying to step away yeah. from this, but Freddie is just our evolving towards that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that Freddie, at any point, 100% buys in to the, the cause? I think so at that point when he comes out and he says to Val on the porch, like, you should go inside and listen to your father. You know, like, when they're in, like, Philadelphia. I think, like, at that point. At that, or maybe he just thinks that he's he's trying to, like, he doesn't feel empowered, and so he is pulling a little power move on Val. I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Dan? I, maybe, I, I think maybe... Um... Freddie Quell is, he's just a very, you know, obedient person, like, coming from the military. Okay. And, um... Yeah, that's a good way to think about he's it. He's someone, like, looking for structure. Yeah, looking... Yeah, exactly. Right, from the military, and then he's just wayward for a while, going from his own, like, seems like he didn't have much of a boss at the department store, and then he's on this cabbage farm and making alcohol, but then he finds, <laughs> like... a lot Again, a lot of P.T. Anderson movies are, like father-son relationships and not that we, that's necessarily what you get from Freddie and Lancaster no you don't like I think most directors or writers would have gone for that angle right and that's again that's something that I was I guess forgot about the film I thought there was more of that but like I said they're more like peer-to-peer almost yeah Lancaster's like teaching him things but you never see Freddy as like, oh I need to learn like mm-hmm. like I'm enlightened or even I'm calm or even like I belong you know He's just, like, going through the motions in a lot of yeah. the film. Like, I'm here now. Yeah. Just like he was going through the motions at that farm until he poisoned that guy. Yeah. Or even in the Navy, I'm sure. Just as, like... He's like a drifter. Like like I said, he just drifts through life, and he just happens to drift through this... If we want to call it a cult. Yeah, I'm... Since, you know, uh, P.T. Anderson is, again, like, puts a lot of, like, a lot of thought into his projects and he goes ahead and edits the trailer himself I would assume he has he's very vocal on even like something like the posters and you know there's a couple I love the posters for this movie and I'll I mean I'm gonna pull them up and like show them to you guys so like they're always like Freddy's in the middle and then you've got multiple Peggy's multiple Lancasters and then you have the you know they do the Rorschach test in the beginning of the movie and he is constantly saying either vaginas or Assholes or dicks and you can see those posters, like by the way, on our Facebook page. Yeah, Poster Mondays. Poster Mondays. Yeah, and then they've you've got a kaleidoscope. One. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Yeah, so it's just even the posters they're showing I, people. I think it's just supposed to be there's always like little, you know, everyone's like multiple. There's multiple versions of yourself, and so especially like this one again with the Rorschach, the fact that he's in the middle. And then, uh, you know, I mean, the movie's called The Master. That's what I'm going to go back to, like, this who is the master. You've got Lancaster on either side pointing up to Joaquin Phoenix, the only solo one. You've got Amy Adams on the bottom. Because it's, again, it's it's between the three of them who could be the master. And while he is called master, what, this is something that I read as far as, like, a, you know, like a thesis, like a critical thesis on this film, is that in the end he can't, Freddy can't be broken. And he even takes what he learned from 
master and from the cause and is asking that girl in the bed at the end but then it's just like you know like kind of gives up on it because he's just got he's got everything he wants in that moment he's got booze in him he's got a naked woman (laughs) it's like he never got anywhere yeah Yeah. no it's true yeah that's why and i think again not my criticism of this film because i actually really do enjoy this film but i think that could be like a lot of people's criticism that's just the if that's what you're looking for, yeah, but I don't. Th- I think. Yeah. I, I think, think a lot of people go to the movies looking for that, like for better or worse. Character breakthrough, yeah. or you know, yeah. like, characters evolving. Yeah, like I still like. I I like a movie that's, char- again, like a good character study doesn't have to be. You see that there's like change in their lives. You're just right. seeing a version of something you've never seen before. A version that, like, again, you're just like, oh, I wish like I had did, you know, had moments like that or something, <laughs> you know someone like Freddy that has no filter there's a little bit of you know and you just see Lank you just see Lancaster's dog like you you meet him you see his character not develop but you see you know different layers of him as if you were meeting someone new and you got to know someone more and more you, you start to see you know like their you know their faults and their like shortcomings and everything you know oh, yeah. the, the Lancaster dog you see in the first scene and the the wedding speech is very different from the, you know, towards the end when he's when he's um, singing "Slow Boat to China." And yeah. I th- and I think you make a good point because it's not so much that we see him change, we're just seeing more of him. Right. Like we're peeling the onion, and it's like, <sighs> yeah, the, the sides of him. I mean, again, we say this on the podcast a lot, but Lancaster God feels real, even when he's being fake, he feels real, and that's like Philip Seymour Hoffman's credit. Yeah, I mean, this is just so. so I I read that um, PTA said it reason like just in like now New Year of two thousand eighteen. I guess probably while he was going around talking for uh, Phantom Thread, that the Master is still the film he's he's most proud of. Wow, that's cool. That's awesome, yeah. And I really, it's you know, it's, I always I always go back and forth because it's one of those things it's like a stupid question of like oh if you can only bring one movie on like an island watch one movie the rest of your life that's just boring you're going to get bored of any movie there's no perfect movie it's going to be the only movie you want to see the rest of your life mm-hmm. like I mean sure I love Goodfellas right, yeah. Good, <laughs> sure I love Goodfellas sure I love Boogie Nights sure I love you know Taxi yes, Driver yes but, but in but, the debate of it what? yeah but I'm no so I'm just saying like The Master is like up there and I think it is a film that you can enjoy like you could be in a different mood and enjoy it for the different mood you're in it's it's a kaleidoscope in itself that you're seeing it from a different angle well i think certainly i want to watch it again like soon i wish there was i hope he goes back into the commentary for it someday oh yeah because you said there was no commentary yeah but i want to watch it again because this is a film that a lot of people say when you like read things like you're gonna get a different thing on your second watch you're gonna get a different thing on your third watch but there are a lot of like layers that way it's just it's hard you know what i'm saying it's hard to watch to yeah like carve out time to watch a movie like twice in a row well this is also another movie you know money, joey said on the last episode that for moneyball the camera would like linger on actors when like they would like other actors would leave the scene and it would stay on the actor so like reflect with their emotions this film also does that like while the shot is happening like a lot if you watch like Amy Adams in this movie she's always very like eagle eyed she's watching what's going if she's yeah. not talking she's watching from a distance she right? brings it she yeah. brings it too. she's fantastic it was the, thir- the third time that they is the last time they'll collaborate I guess yes oh that's unfortunate yeah 
well this and unfortunately this was the movie so um that after the wrap of this movie it was the first time in 23 years that philip seymour hoffman had an alcoholic beverage and this is the film after this film was the one that started him on a downward spiral really yeah oh wow yeah that's unfortunate i mean of course i mean it's i mean it's I don't know. I don't know if it's like a you know like supposedly like the Dark Knight. Heath Ledger put a lot of himself into that movie, and he just kind of, you know, like he would like it was painkillers and stuff like that, and a lot of uh, stuff to keep himself up, and that got that's how he got into those prescription drugs. I don't know if it was the work that he did on this movie. I don't know if it just took, yeah, all speculation. Yeah, all exactly, all speculation. The this is also the last time we'll see him get nominated for yes an Academy Award. Um, it's not that his career is downhill from here or anything like that, but no, it's but just... for, for two two years after this film came out is when he passes, and then a year not after... blockbuster wise, but this is his last big movie, I'd say. Last major role, I think. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like he's in Hunger Games, but again, he's not like, yeah, you know, that's Hunger like being Games. in Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, no offense <laughs> to the Hunger Games, but it's not like no one. The only people, the only people who like make a difference in Harry Potter is Harry Potter. Like, it's Jennifer Lawrence, I guess, in Hunger Games. Yeah, she's she's the... That's her film. Like, not that he doesn't do a good job, but it, it's not his film. The Master's the last big film that's his film. And for, I mean, I think... I mean, you guys can disagree with me. I think he probably would have been nominated again if he did something. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he's he, an actor that would... If he was still alive. He wasn't, like, on, like, a downward spiral of, like, 10, 20 films or, like, modern-day Pacino or something. He was still acting in his prime. Yeah. I feel like when I watch The Master and watch Phil Seymour Hoffman, like, I feel like I'm watching the medium of acting versus, like, other films like The Hunger Games or something. Like, I, f- I feel like, yeah, we, like, I'm watching him work yeah. as an actor. Actually work. Not him just, you know, wearing, like, this weird costume. And, like, <laughs> Which he rarely hair. did films like that, yeah. to be fair. Like, yeah. it, like yeah. we'll have to watch The Hunger Games and see, like, we haven't really seen a movie with, I guess, maybe Strangers with Candy, because he was in it for like two seconds, where he like mailed it in, where it was just like he about... Was even, but still, he was having like fun with that character. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was more fun. I don't know. We'll see on Hunger Games, because that's like, honestly, his first like, blockbuster that's not like a critically acclaimed thing, but more a, a franchise. Yeah. Is yeah, that like a... him in Mission Impossible... Yeah, he's like, yeah okay. Mission Impossible. He's that's his only film. But he's that. one of the he gives like one of the greatest bad guy roles of all time. In that yeah, movie. because he can because his only film like yeah. uh, the Hunger Games is more of like a franchise ensemble role. Yeah, for the first time ever. So uh, I mean, we'll definitely tackle that when we get to it. But it's sad to leave him here because this is probably the top where we're leaving him. Yeah, know? I mean, again, obviously it's incredibly sad and tragic that we lost him so soon, but a hell of like as far as like one of his last movies it's a hell of a note to go out on and because this this is just it's just up there as far as my favorite but I think of his performances he's just yeah like you said it's like you're watching an actor you know work like there's very few other actors I think that come to like you know this is in a chalice of those roles out there I think of your Daniel Day Lewis's like your early like, you know, I think of like you know like your uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, I think Joaquin Phoenix in this. Oh, film Joaquin, yeah, exactly. Really cements himself as yeah. there. Like I'm not watch. I feel like I'm not watching this character Lancaster Dodd. It's like I'm watching Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman like actually like put on a really awesome performance. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, and it's rewarding. I mean, it's part of, again, the reason we chose to do this podcast on him. So is there any other scenes or anything else you guys wanted to talk about with the Master? Any other? I mean, we we brought up how he, he it, like, the last scene we have of him is, like, singing Slow Boat to China. It's, like, <laughs> very vulnerable. It's, like, a it's, a it's a good song, and they use it in the, like, 20, again, that 20-minute cut that they do, like, yeah. the actual version of that song. The, but it's just him. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is only the second time we've seen him sing. Oh, in like the, out of like out of his, his career. film his career. What was the first time he sang? Well, I'm thinking of a long came Polly when he just jumps in like oh, yeah, yeah, that and then Jesus I guess Christ he, Superstar. I'm trying to think. He never like sings anything and like I mean, obviously he deals with music and almost famous and pirate radio, but I don't think he doesn't he... sing now. Yeah, so maybe we'll get him singing in the Hunger Games. He'll play an instrument in a late quartet. Yes, and that's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, may, we'll see. <laughs> I don't think he sings, and and he's in an orchestra though in that one. Oh, he sings in Capote. He does. Oh. Yes, he's talking like Jimmy. Because <laughs> 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 uh, I'm like, maybe he does like in like a like at a party, like chumming it up with people. I don't know. I really love that scene in um. After the processing, they they drink the beverages that Freddie Quill makes, and they just smoke the cools. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, wait, yeah. do we want to play like? We the, should, you should play that clip definitely. The, the, just, but then, and, the, and then the multiple takes of cools. Should we yeah. Them? I remember we I remember we watched that like the multiple takes, and we were yeah. like, oh, like that was when we were like Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. They're such an amazing partnership. I w- that's the whole. Th- you know what? Yeah. That, to take away from the like, I wish they could have acted together again. Right. Yeah. 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 That's one of the bigger that's huge loss. Yeah. yeah. Like that could have that would have been like the start of a great like film like relationship. <laughs> At least one more time yeah. I'd like to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like just... it's not like every other movie is like, oh, another <laughs> No, they're not going to be like the Richard Pryor, <laughs> Gene Wilder, <laughs> Bob Hope. It's, know, it's like, like yeah, Bob, Bob Hope and Crosby <laughs> or, uh, off on the road to Morocco. Ben Stiller and what's his name? Uh Robert De Niro? <laughs> no, no, no. That's still in uh, Hansel. Owen Wilson. Owen yeah. Wilson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, 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 not that. But yes, I would like to see them collaborate again. But yeah. let's play the let's play both Cools stuff. Yeah. Back to back. Yeah. Uh, on the brownie with the moon, big and shiny. I like Cools. A minty flavor. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Ever.
minty flavor. <laughs> I just lo- I love cool. that we get to he's just let, like we don't, it's in the scene you don't or in the, for the outtakes you don't see like Joaquin Phoenix there must have been there was multiple like I think that he said oh we already got it three times or whatever you hear you know yeah PT Anders in the background and but at that point it's just like one of those great moments when you see like you just can't control your laughter and just <laughs> hearing our main man saying like fuck you <laughs> the end Joaquin yeah. Phoenix cracking up on the third take so it was they never got a perfect take supposedly wow and they just cut it like it's not like that shot lingers after it but it makes me like I don't smoke cigarettes yeah and I've never had a I've never had a cigarette but I've never had a menthol cigarette either it makes me really want to have a cool the minty cool I guess menthol cigarettes are really good <laughs> are, are they yeah I quit smoking though Again, were you smoking again? Mm, when was, when was the last time you? When, when did you quit? Did you? Were you on menthol? Uh, December. Yeah, actually, you used to the, smoke Lucky Strikes like you were a World War Two soldier. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is the this, short, yeah, the yeah. short. They cigarettes. tasted really good though. So they were, were like, you on Newport? Like, unfiltered? Cools? No, I was on. Uh, the last cigarettes I was smoking was um, Camel Menthols. No, no, Parliament Menthols. Parliament Menthols. Wow. Yeah. Parliament. We, do not, we do not advocate that on this program pa- parliament's like you're from Boston like <laughs> but I had my last cigarette eight weeks ago yeah, yeah. I had my last drink two eight weeks ago you're yeah, making some big decisions weeks. in your life recently no I just haven't um, <laughs> just haven't just haven't done anything that's all but the quickest smoking thing whatever enough about me <laughs> yeah. no so, yeah. yeah What what is your name hmm? what is your name I'm gonna start Freddy processing Quell. start processing you right now Freddy Quell yeah <laughs> you kind of have a Freddy outfit on you today. blinked it's Do very I'm like mo- yeah. monotone. Is that what you're saying? No, like you could be on a ship. I guess it's all blue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just came back from work. Yeah, yeah I know. You're it's like your, yeah. you're wearing your navy. You're wearing your navy blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Workmen, you know, like go make some jug juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's I a feel truth. like having a cool nail. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> don't yeah, do it. We don't want this to be the start of you smoking. Again. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. No. Good scene. Any other things you want to share with us? I this the master. Is a movie. I know it's one of your favorite. You pontificate on it. Yeah. Sell it to people who don't like it. All right. So you have number one. If you're not a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson, you're not gonna like this movie. So good job selling this. You're yeah, right? don't like it. No, this no this okay, <laughs> but no. So I'll say with that, this isn't the movie to jump into his career with. Mm. It builds to it. Well, this isn't a movie where you expect yourself to be entertained. I don't think it's like you have to really appreciate the medium of filmmaking the medium of like acting cinematography it's like a filmmaker's film I feel like the master definitely and it's not a film that I think needs multiple viewings like you know certain movies you're just like wait what like you know when they're trying to like no not for interpretation like you know like look over here you know sleight of hand movies (laughs) like yeah interpretation movies but it is a movie that deserves multiple viewings yeah Here's one way to put it. Instead of going to college and learning how to make films, it's just watch the master. Just watch the yeah, master. Yeah. Watch the if master. You watch it's the like a master's A master's class. class. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, it's the master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the master of filmmaking. Yeah. What did you get your degree in, man? Maybe P.T. Anderson's the master. Ah. That would, no, one thing I read was like, figured it know, out. what was it, Inglorious Bastards, that it's the last line is Brad Pitt saying like, I think I just made my masterpiece. Yeah. And that's clearly very, like, very Tarantino. Yeah. Same yeah. with the last line in The Master. It's like, oh, I fell out, put it back in. I yeah. don't know. It's like, 
Filmmaking is like fucking. Yeah. I don't know. Filmmaking's <laughs> like fucking. Yeah. Tell me more. I'm gonna get very intimidated right <laughs> yeah. now. Tell me, Danny <laughs> Kim. What do you mean by filmmaking? We're like big Martin Short fans. Filmmaking on this is podcast. like fucking. Filmmaking is like making love to love a woman. woman. <laughs> the ocean is very maternal in this. And movie. we lost you guys. And Apologies. we lost. Yeah, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> Jiminy Glick. No. No, no, you're right. I I think that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And I don't know. I would say if you weren't a fan of The Master, just give it a second chance. Yeah. It's a long movie for a second chance, though. (laughs) Oh, come on. I'm just saying, if if it doesn't hit you the first time... Like, that movie, it gets better and better every time I watch it. Yes. The first first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, I enjoyed it. second time, I'm like, whoa, I really liked it. And the third time, I'm like, this is one of the best movies I've seen in my life. Boom. Yeah. Endorsement, <laughs> DK endorsement. I can't, I can't, I can't back off that. That's, yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a DK endorsement. That's, a, that's quality. So yeah, uh, Kyle, what do we have next week? I kind of teased it already. We have uh, he's a musician. It's a late quartet. Nice. I have not seen that film. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. This is one of the few. Wow. Yeah. So we're both going in with uh, uncourteted eyes. Yes. <coughs> or ears. I'll or... go in with Freddie Quell eyes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and we have a special announcement about the late quartet episode. Yes. So it's going to come out on Wednesday, you know, on, uh, released on cageclub.me uh, and, uh, you know, all iTunes and all that good stuff. But we're doing another we did it for almost famous oh so another kind of mu- music movie yeah we so. do our music movies we do visual components too because it makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> but we'll be doing it on facebook live yes um just like almost famous so you could see our pretty faces that are really really faces for podcasting yeah and but <laughs> see us get frustrated and, at yes <laughs> see us master technology maybe i'll maybe i'll wear the detroit sucks t-shirt again <laughs> that makes no sense we'll, we'll dress in like <laughs> we'll do it from the symphony and we'll dress in like tuxedos yeah i'll wear a monocle and drink a, uh, a gin martini. Sure. <laughs> you could do that. And, uh, and what date does it come out on? Uh, uh, the live episode. The live episode will come out Monday the 26th. Yeah. So we'll do, so that we'll do it at what, what time? I don't know. We got eight. Seven, eight. Probably eight. Eight o'clock, eight o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern, Eastern time. Standard time. We just decided now we'll Facebook yeah. Live, and of course you could watch the video later. But we like live feedback, so we want we definitely want you to watch live. Yeah. But if not, Dan, you you're can... not on Facebook. But if you could join up again, just so you could comment where we're doing Facebook. Live. Thank <laughs> you're, you very doing, much. you're doing a live uh, Facebook feed. Yeah. On podcast. Yeah. We did it once before in Chicago, Chi Town. Yeah. For, yeah. For Chi-town. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, definitely tune in, have a watch. Yeah, watch and a listen. Pipe in a crepe, bungle the blinds. <laughs> so we ask all our um, uh, guests this, but I'm a little afraid. Uh, mm-hmm. Where can people uh, follow you if they want to follow you? Is there? Uh, yeah, we didn't really. I mean, we didn't really get into this, but I mean, what, you were. I mean, you still you still freelance every. Yeah, I, I'm still shooting. Yeah. So I still work as a freelance photographer for magazines and newspapers. Um, I have a website. Oh. It's www.danny-kim.com. And the dash is the sign dash, not yeah, yeah, the sign dash. Not your not middle name's not dash, dash not like Stacy dash yeah. or something. <laughs> no, no hyphen. That's what I love. I love on Conan when it's slash. He has a little picture of slash. Oh, really? That's guitarist from Guns N' Roses. Yes. Anyway, so yeah. So you can reach me from there. Okay. If you ever need photography done? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You don't definitely. have a. You don't have like an Instagram still, right? Not now. No. no. Not a social media guy. It's too much work. I get it. It is work. You're kind of a drifter, right? You're looking for... I am a a drifter. (laughs) I'm so over my job right now. I want to do something else. I'm drifting. Yeah. That's... that's, 
That's great. That's, I got to find a master. I was going to say, you need to find yeah. a master. You yeah. need to find your place. You need to find procedure in my life. <laughs> you animal. Structure, yeah. <laughs> Naughty boy. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me. And we usually, we have our guests, we have a little a sign-off, uh, and we, we have our guests, if, if you're willing to remind the Hoff fans to stay on cool, it's a line from Almost Famous, so if you wouldn't mind just telling our audience to just stay on cool. Stay on cool? Uncool, uncool, yes. uncool. Stay on cool. So you want me to say stay on cool? Yeah. Stay on cool, everybody. See you in China. <laughs> I want to get you. You should actually close this episode with a uh, slow boat to, to China. China. Like, we, it, like uh, the we, original one, not Philip Seymour Hoffman. We always have, it's always, uh, um, uh, I believe in miracles, wake come, you sexy thing, because that's in Boogie Nights, but uh-huh. I was going to do... Uh, like Phil Seymour Hoffman, it? but I'll do that song. I'll do that. This will be a one, a special episode. And then you could transition to the original song, you know. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. 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 I want to get you on a slow boat to China all to myself alone. Get you and keep you in my arms evermore. Leave all your lovers a-weeping on the faraway shore. Way out on the briny with the moon, big and shiny, melting your heart. A stone I'd love to get you On a slow boat to China All to myself alone